Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, I'm so excited that we're doing this series. The new rules of love, sex, and dating. Brad Horton and I have a really good friend. His name is Andy Stanley, and he uh, wrote a lot of this content, which we're really, really grateful for. Um, We've been able to use it in a lot of different places in our churches, and it's been really, really good. We've talked about it with our middle school students. We've talked about it with our high school students, and we thought uh, this would be phenomenal if we got to talk with the living room students about it. So um, I think this is going to be great. Now, let me tell you why this is so important for me. My wife and I live up in uh, Forsyth County, Georgia, uh, a little bit north of here. And because I'm a pastor in the area, um, people sometimes will come up to me in the strangest places, like at Starbucks or in the bathroom at McDonald's or somewhere weird like that, and they'll just start telling me their stories. I mean, it's the weirdest thing, and I think it's because I'm a pastor maybe, or maybe it's just because they look at me and think I'm a safe person, you know? I'm not, but they look at me and they think that, and so they start telling me just intimate details about their life, about their sex life, and and it's the wildest thing because they'll be in the middle of these incredibly personal details about their life, and I'll have to interrupt them and say, that is so amazing, and I'm so sorry that happened. Can you tell me your name before we go any further because you're telling me your deepest, darkest secrets, and I at least need to know who you are before you tell me everything about you. And usually when we talk to married couples, when my wife and I get to sit down with younger married couples or married couples that are our age, we've walked with a couple of couples, uh, one in our neighborhood, another good friend of ours, who both had to walk through affairs. Both husbands had affairs on the wife. And because of that, because of our relationship with both of them, we realize that there are a couple problems that are just true for all married couples. And the two big problems, what, what, what are they? Does anybody know what the, the two big areas of trouble are for marriages? Money and sex. That's exactly right. You guys aren't even married, and you're smart enough to know that. So when we were talking, I started thinking, so we got two options. We could either talk about putting a budget together, or we could talk about sex. Which one do you guys want to talk about tonight? Money. <laughs> She's like, let's talk about Money, baby, let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about how we spend it and what we do with it. Well, I thought that would be boring. I thought that would be totally lame if we talked about money all night. So I thought this is going to be so much better. It will at least be more interesting if we talk about sex for one night. So we're actually not just going to talk about it for one night. I believe we're going to talk about it for four, Brad, four nights. Four-week series. It's going to be amazing. And we hope that you find it really, really helpful. Now, when I talk to these couples and when they seriously sit down or sometimes get to sit down face-to-face with them or they're in the middle of their stories, they're heartbreaking. And I hear the pain and they usually don't go well. I mean, people usually don't stop people at church. They usually don't stop the preacher or the pastor when life is going well, you know. In fact, I've never answered the phone at work and someone's like, hey, just wanted to let you know everything's going great. No one ever does that. I mean, we're kind of like... we're kind of like the, the IT department, you know, you only, or the customer support line. You only call them when you have a sincere problem, right? When the paper's due the next day and your internet's not working and you're freaking out, you know, going, you got to fix this. You got to help me out. Those are the kind of phone calls that I feel like we field all the time in the line of work that I'm in. And oftentimes we'll be in the middle of these conversations and I, I'll say things like, okay, I hate to interrupt you, but did no one warn you about this? No. Did did no one tell you that that was going to happen? No. Did did no one tell you that 
if you continue to operate like that, eventually you're going to end up in the place you're in now. No? No one told you that? Gosh. And I always think, I, I just assumed people knew, but the more people I talk to, the more I realize, wow, there are just some things that people just don't know about the rules of love, sex, and dating. See, fortunately, by the grace of God, my wife and I, we, when we got married, we had sex. That was the order that we went in. And I just thought that's what you did. I was like, well, that's, I, I just grew up in a home where that was just, it was expected, it was taught, and that's just what we did. It's just what everybody just assumed you would do in the home that I grew up in. And fortunately, my wife grew up in the same kind of home. And so when we got married, we started having sex. And it was really, really cool because neither one of us had all this baggage from the past. Neither one of us had all this baggage from the past to compare each other to and to contrast each other with and different experiences and flashbacks that popped into our mind. And so I just thought these were things that people just knew, but the more we talk to people, the more we realize this is not something that people just know. So that's why we're going to do this series. And I I really do hope that it's really, really helpful for you. Let me tell you why. Because I want you to be fulfilled in your relationships. I want you to find fulfillment. I want you to find joy. I want you to get married someday, and I want you to be married for 30, 40, 50 years and to look at your wife holding hands, sitting on the porch all wrinkled up, looking at her being like, man, I robbed the bank when I got you. I mean, I stole something when I got you. I can't believe they didn't arrest me when I ended up with you because it's amazing. And that is possible. Look, I am... um, I I, I will have been married for almost about seven years. My wife and I, we have two kids. We've got Lucy, she's four, Jake, he's two, and then we got a baby on the way. At the beginning of April, we're going to, Lord willing, have our third baby. Thank you for clapping. Some of you are like, way to go, you know how to procreate. Congratulations. (laughs) I just want to show you a picture tonight because it's not easy for me to leave home, all right? When I get home at night, I like to be home because I love my wife and I love my kids. And there can be anyone, I mean, anybody can speak at the living room. But only one dad for my two kids. Only one dad. And Lord willing, my, hu- my wife, my husband, my wife. <laughs> Lord willing, my wife is only going to have one husband while I'm alive. So I like to stay at home at night. Let me show you what I left at home tonight. Check this out. The, literally, that's real time, folks. That's about 7 o'clock right there. That's my daughter, Lucy, and she had dressed up in a wedding dress, and I was like in a fetal position crying on the floor, <laughs> being like, No! no, it's not going to happen. And she invited me. She actually, she literally invited me tonight to her wedding. It was pretty amazing. She's like, dad, do you, do you want to come to my wedding? I'm like, you're not going to have one. So no, I don't want to come. But I really believe, uh, you can take that picture down. I believe that life, I believe that it can be good for you, no matter what you've seen in your past. I believe that your relationships can be fulfilling. I believe that you can find joy, that you, that, that you really can find somebody that's amazing, that you can be amazing as well, and that y'all can get married, and you can have some incredible sex, and then you can live a lifetime together, that it really is possible. And we want that for you, and that's why we're doing this series. Uh, my sister called me yesterday, and she said, hey, I'm going to see, uh, my parents live in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and um, that, what was that about? <laughs> you ain't never, never, that's what I'm talking about, Roll Tide, Alabama is in the house. 
And my sister called me and she said, hey, I'm going to Tuscaloosa. Um, I had an idea. She's like, do you think I could take Lucy with me to uh, Tuscaloosa? And I was like, I got a better idea. Why don't you take Lucy and Jake? (laughs) And she did. And my wife called me today because my sister ended up calling my wife to tell her, hey, I think I want to take Lucy and Jake to see uh, our, our parents this weekend. And Jenny called me this afternoon and she said, I'm literally about to start crying. And she's eight months pregnant, so that happens almost every day. But I was like, what? Well, what did I do? You know, so she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I can't believe what your sister just told me. And I was like, are you, are you sad already that your kids are gone? And she said that, and, and this was like, I, my, my heart got so big, and I was so excited about this. But she was like, no, I am so excited that this weekend, it's just going to be me and you all weekend long. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's amazing that someone feels that way about me. And it can be possible for you. See, this series is going to be great. The series is going to be great, especially for those of you who you've seen marriage done wrong. Maybe you've seen it done wrong your whole life. Maybe your parents did it wrong. Maybe your auntie did it wrong. Maybe your uncle did it wrong. Maybe your grandparents did it wrong. And you've never seen it done right. And you don't even think it's possible. And maybe you've written off marriage. And you've said, you know what, man, marriage is for the birds. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life, me and Beyonce, independent women. It's amazing that she sings that song, All Married to Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened to your independence, Beyonce? But that's another story. But some of you have written it off because you've never seen it done right. In this series, I hope it will bring you some hope. I hope it will put some hope inside your heart to let you know that God's way really is an amazing way. And when you stay on the path that he would have for you, it will lead you to life, to really good, rich, fulfilling life. There's some of you who you're going to really enjoy this series as well. Uh, Maybe you would put yourself in the category of uh, a serial dater. Anybody want to just admit you're a serial dater? (laughs) One girl, raise your hand. That's amazing. I won't call you you out on that, but that's amazing. A serial dater uh, is someone who just is constantly dating. You know, that person that's had a girlfriend since he was like eight, you know, that girl that's had a boyfriend since she was like four, you know, she broke up with her boyfriend in college for like a day and then she started dating somebody else. You know what a serial dater is? You you guys know these people, right? Maybe you're one of them. Serial daters are constantly just looking to find the right people, the right person. They think that dating is just a means to find the right person. So they just serially date. They just date over and over and over and over and over again. I think this series is going to be helpful for those of you who just, you're just in a constant pattern of hooking up. That you just, the weekend, you think that's what it's about. You just meet the next person. You just have another rendezvous, you know, because I'm sure that's what you still call it these days. And you just hook up, you know, and you're like, hey, it's just casual. I mean, sex is just physical. Nobody's hurt. Everybody's cool with it. And that's just the way you roll. I think this series is going to be really helpful for you. I think the series is also going to be helpful for those of you who are maybe living together. Maybe you wouldn't say that, you know, maybe you just keep a toothbrush over there or he keeps a toothbrush at your place. And that's just the way you live your life. And you just think, yeah, it's totally cool. And if that's you, I'm so, so glad you're here. And I want you to come back this whole series because it's going to be really, really helpful for you. Because I want you to learn that, hey, there is a way that God says life can work. And when you follow his way, it leads to life. He really does lead you to life. God's not trying to cramp your style. God's favorite word is not no. 
God's not anti-sex despite what the street preacher said or despite what your old youth pastor said or despite what your grandmama said. You know who created sex? Britney Spears. It's amazing. She was like 14. She just decided one day, I'm going to do it. No, you know who created sex? Let's just have an all skate on this. Who, who created sex? God. God made it up. I mean, imagine that day, you know? God's like, hey, angels, check this out. <laughs> Neptune, huh? Pretty cool, right? And he's like, check this out. Whoa, oh, my goodness. What was that? Angels are freaking out, being like, can we get in on that? God's like, nope. It's only for people, man. I reserve that one for the people, my people on earth. It was God's idea, and God's not against it. God is for it, and he wants you to have a lot of it, and he wants you to have it in the context of a man and a woman in marriage. That's awesome. Hey, so here's where we got to start. Here's where we got to start. We got to start with this really complicated sentence. So I was driving down the road the other day with my daughter. I used to hear people tell stories like this, and I'd be like, you're lying. But I swear to you, this is what she said. She's in the back seat. She talks nonstop, so the chances of her saying anything are high because she just always talks. But she's in, the, she's in the back, and I'm trying to teach her different words like beside and behind and in front of. And then I was trying to teach her different things like yesterday and tomorrow and today, things like that, just trying to help her get the context, you know, for how days work. And she told me one day, we're just driving down the road, and she said, hey, Daddy, did you realize that today is going to be yesterday tomorrow? (laughs) I swear to you. I almost pulled over on the side of the road and was like, she's a prodigy. (laughs) I was like, you're exactly right. Today is going to be yesterday tomorrow. Just look at somebody and tell them that real quick. Just be like, hey, today is going to be yesterday tomorrow. Some of you were like, whoa, 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 man, this is really deep. And I took a break from school for a semester because they asked me to, and this is a little tough for me. You're still struggling with Rene Descartes' quote, I think, therefore I am. You're still on that one. You're like, today is going to be yesterday, tomorrow. Pump the brakes there, pastor boy. No, for real, think about that a second. That tomorrow's today is going to be yesterday, but it's going to be in your tomorrow. You feeling me? You're today, like what you're living right now is one day going to be a day that you look back on, but it's not just going to erase itself from the map. No, it's actually going to be in your today, tomorrow. See, tomorrow you're going to have a yesterday. And did you know you're living that day today? Just to put it another way. Isn't that crazy? Here's another way to say it. We're going to put it up on the screen. This is amazing that you guys have your own plasma at the living room. The present will be your past, which will be in your present, in your future. How about that? The present will be your past, which will be your present, in your future. So when you're in your future, your present's going to be there because it will be your present. But it won't be your future anymore. It'll be your present. But now, thinking about it now, you're going to have a future. That future's coming. And the present that you're living now is going to be in your future. And one day you're going to look back on that present and it's going to be your past. Because Your present has a pesky way of sneaking into your future. And when it's sitting in your future, it's actually your past. Some of you are like, dude, what are you talking about? And past what you've been smoking. I'm serious about this. This is really important because you got to know this. See, life is sequential. You take your life with you. 
See, I talked to too many married couples who, they, they, they didn't get this. They weren't smart enough to go to an environment like the living room and pick this up. They didn't get it. So what they did is they just thought, oh, I might have problems now, but I'm going to get married to somebody. And when I get married to somebody, it's going to be all good. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, yeah, my mom tried that three or four times. I'm serious. You got problems and you think, oh, I just got to find somebody. And as as soon as I can find somebody, we'll, we'll get married. And then we'll just enjoy life together and I won't have those problems anymore. But see, there actually aren't, there, there, there really aren't very complicated marriage problems. People don't have complicated marriage problems. A, a, comp, a, a complicated marriage problem, if there even is one, is like, what do we do with the toothpaste, you know? My wife, she wants to press from the top, and I press from the bottom. And so I don't know, should we just get two different toothpastes? That just feels like we're not unified, you know? Or maybe your wife spends too much money, or your husband spends too much money because women do be shopping, you know? And so you're just thinking, what should we do about this? Should we just keep having the trouble or should we get separate bank accounts? Those are marriage problems. Those are simple. But see, people, you know how people work. We, we, we sometimes have real problems. And we take those real problems into a marriage, and now you just have a marriage with two people who've got problems. That's the way it works. See, and what, what they try to do is, is they meet someone, and they just start having sex. And they think, oh, this is amazing, you know? And they think the chemistry is amazing. Start singing love songs to each other, you know, just like straight Bruno Mars all night long. And they think, see, and you know how this works. Maybe you've met somebody like this or you have a friend like this. Like they have sex with somebody and they make out with somebody or whatever you want to call it. They hook up with somebody. And they think what they have is so unique. They're like, we just had the greatest night that has ever been had in all history of all human beings. And they feel this thing between each other called infatuation. It's like this cloud that just hovers. You ever felt infatuation before? Man, infatuation, it's a good thing. It's a strong, powerful emotion. They feel this chemistry with each other and they think it's incredible. And so then they decide, hey, the sex is going so good. Let's just keep spending time together. And so then they decide to get married And then they think that marriage is the problem because what happens is, is they haven't been practicing the relationship the whole time. They've just been practicing the sex. And so then they get married. Some of you are like, man, this is real talk at the living room. It's real talk at the living room, y'all. Hashtag real talk at the living room all night long. That's the way we roll up here, all right? See, we're not going to skate around the issues. We're going to talk about the real issues. Some of you are like, well, I'm in church. I can't talk like that. You talk about it your whole life. You listen to it. You sing about it. You rap with Lil Wayne about it. So why can't we talk about it in the living room up here all together? All right? So we're going to talk about it tonight. You guys all right with that? Come on. All right. I saw four of you nod your head, and the others of you were like, not really, man. (laughs) So what they start doing is they start having a bunch of sex, but they've never been practicing the relationship. They've just been practicing the sex. And so now they're married, and guess what happens? The relationship changes. I'm, I'm coming there, Michael. Hang on to that one. I'm for real. I am, but just hang on to that one. The relationship changes. It gets a little sour. And now all of a sudden, they stop having sex. You see, the, hus- the, the, the husband, he thinks that the relationship is sour because we're not having sex. And so he thinks, hey, we just got to have more sex. If we just had more sex, the relationship would be better. Because men are stupid. 
And men think sex is like a tool. It's like a wrench, you know? They're like, hey, get out the wrench. We got to fix the marriage, you know? Meanwhile, the wife is going, uh-uh, you ain't having nothing tonight. Not with me anyway. Get your hands off me. She's like, I know what a back rub means. You better get away from me. That's the way it works. So then, usually the woman, usually the woman, I'm not blaming women, I'm just saying this is the way it usually happens. Women have a bright idea. What's the idea? Let's have a baby. She's like, it just dawned on me. She's like, I was at Starbucks drinking a Frappuccino, sitting there with Lisa. I was telling her all about my problems, and she was like, y'all need to have kids. It's clear. Y'all need to have kids. If you had kids, everything would be cool. Ladies, this is sad, but do you know the number one time in a man's life when he is most susceptible to having an affair? When his wife is pregnant. Isn't that horrible? I had a really good friend. And we thought, man, you got to be kidding me. Your wife is pregnant. And he cheated on his wife. And we thought, man, you are low, low down. But that's the way men can be. Because after all, we can be stupid. And we think it's a wrench. We don't realize what it's for, what it's intended for. So the myth that most couples buy into, the myth that most people buy into, most married people, if they were sitting in the room, they would go, "Uh uh-huh, I know people that bought into that myth, or maybe I bought into that myth, is this myth right here. It's called the right person myth. Everybody just say this out loud. The right person myth. Yeah, the right person myth. This is what's amazing about the right person myth, is that you think that if I can just find the right person, then all my problems will go away. You know how I talked about those serial daters that are just looking for the right person? Yeah, they're just thinking, you know what? Yeah, I got problems. Maybe some of you fellas are like, man, I got some porn problems. And, but as long as I just could find the right woman, all that will go away. And some of you ladies are like, man, I got some insecurities. You know, maybe you insecure. And you're thinking, man, if I could just find a man who would really love me, all these problems would go away. If I just find the right person. but it just doesn't work because there's not just a perfect right person for you. No, see, we're all broken, messed up, flawed people. And so what you end up with is you end up with two people who said, you know what? Well, we better have sex before we get married because after all, you'd never buy a car without test driving it, right? And you'd never put on a pair of shoes before buying them. So we should probably just try it out now. And you know what they end up with? They end up with two used cars and a couple pairs of used shoes. And they just move on looking for the next right person. So they get divorced, abandon the child, and think, man, I just maybe I need to find another person because that wasn't the right person. Maybe they meet somebody at work and they think, ah, no wonder my marriage is so messed up. I'm married to the wrong person. Now I've met the right person. And the cycle just continues to perpetuate itself. But not you. Not you because you're smart. You're at the living room. Not you because you're smart and you're thinking, man, I want to do it right. I want to make sure that the life that I live leads to life. That the life that I live leads to the fulfillment that God would have for me. So I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you're here for the series. 
It's going to be really, really good. When we uh, got together to talk about this series, one of the things we did is we got a bunch of single people in the room, and we said, hey, make sure we know what we're talking about. So they started telling stories, and one of the best stories that came out of this was a girl who actually goes to Buckhead Church, and she said, well, i got to tell you this story, what happened to me. She said, I, I bought into the right person myth. She said, I grew up in a Christian home, so where I really learned about the Bible, and I, I had a faith that was never really my own, but I, it, it, was, it was a part of my life. And then I moved to Atlanta when I finished college, and I was just living up the single life. I mean, I, have you ever heard of someone who would say, I, I lost my faith? You know, maybe they had all these perplexing questions or these doubts, and so they just realized, wow, I lost my faith. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, this girl said, I didn't lose my faith. She said, I left my faith, which I thought that's really appropriate because that's the way it works for most people. Most people don't have this big, grand spiritual epiphany like, oh my goodness, Jesus is not the only way. Jesus is not the son of God. They don't have an epiphany like that. They just start living life and they start realizing that the behavior that they want to live, that the decisions that they want to make are contrary to what Jesus would teach. And so the choice of, do I change my behavior or do I just discount what Jesus said? And they just usually say, well, I'm just going to discount what Jesus said. And she said, that's what I did. So I moved to Atlanta. I was just living a single life. She was just living it up, partying, hanging out with guys, hanging out with girls, fun times, great times. Had some random hookups, which she said she totally regretted. She said she goes to this event. She said she sees this dude. And her words were, he was the total package. She said he was good looking. He seemed athletic. He seemed really smart. He had a good job. Seems like he had a good head on his shoulders. Great personality. He was making everybody laugh. He was friendly to all kinds of people. She said, then I found out that he was a, a follower of Jesus. That he wasn't just a Christian. No, he literally was a follower of Jesus. Followed what Jesus taught. She thought, man, that guy seems incredible. So later that weekend, she's at home visiting her parents. She's in her kitchen. She said, I'll never forget this moment. Life-changing, defining moment in her life. She said, I'm talking to my mom. I'm telling my mom about this guy going on and on and on. She said, Mom, he's good looking, good personality, fun guy, great job, real smart. And mom, he, he's a follower of Jesus. He, he, he's a Christian. She said, I'll never forget. My mom looked at me and she said, sweetheart, A guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. And she said she fell to her knees in a puddle of tears, just sobbing because she knew her mom was right. She said a guy like that, he's living a different kind of life, and he's not looking for a girl like me. You see, that doesn't have to be you. See, you don't have to buy into the right person myth. There's something that's more powerful than the right person myth. It's not about just finding the right person, but it's about becoming the right person. This is a massive distinction that we got to start with tonight. That it's a way bigger deal than just finding the right person. It's actually, excuse me, becoming the right person. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because tonight, we're going to open up the Bible... And see, the Bible doesn't have much to say about finding the right person. You can flip through all the pages of the Bible, all the authors of the Bible, and hardly any of them have anything to say about finding the right person. But a lot of them have things to say about becoming the right person. 
And we're going to kick this series off by looking at just a few verses, a few powerful, rich, real verses that if you and I apply and start putting them into practice, we can not find the right person, but we can begin to allow God to shape our lives so that we can start becoming the right person. In fact, the way we're going to say it in this series is this right here. We're going to say that we want to become, or maybe I should ask you, Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Or maybe he said it another way. Are you becoming the person who you're looking for would look for? Are you allowing God to shape you into the person who you're looking for would be looking for? Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? See, that's not about finding the right person. That's about becoming the right person. Here's where we're going to start tonight. We're going to start in this uh, book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians, a guy named Paul. He's like the Bill Gates of Christians, all right? I mean, this guy was a pioneer. Bill Gates was like a pioneer for computers. Paul was a pioneer for the church, lived 2,000 years ago. This is amazing, but we actually have words that he wrote. We have letters that he wrote. And he wrote this one book called 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it's known as the... The love chapter. That's right. It's called the love chapter. Maybe you've been to a wedding where they read the love chapter at a wedding. When well, 1 Corinthians 13, he gives us this verse, this passage of scripture about what it looks like for us to become the right person. He doesn't say nothing about finding the right person, but he tells us how to become the person who you're looking for is looking for. So let's check it out. Here's some of the things he says. We'll start with this one. He says, love is patient. Everybody said patient. Just practicing right now. You get it? Patient? Being patient? No? Patient means I'm not pushy. Patient means, yeah, I'm dating someone, but I'm not trying to push them into something that I want for them that they might not want for them. Ladies, how amazing would it be to date a patient guy, not a pushy guy, who's always putting his hands on you, trying to take you places that you know you don't want to go. That would be amazing for some of you. Hey, fellas, maybe we should start trying to become, allow God to shape us into someone who's patient, because that's what love really is. Love's not pushy. Love's patient. Let's keep going. He says love's patient. And love is kind, meaning that love is considerate. Love thinks about the other person first. That's love. He goes on. Love is, uh, excuse me, love does not envy. Did you know that happy people can let other people be happy? Did you know that jealous people cannot let other people be happy? Did you know that jealous people usually are not happy themselves because there's something that they don't have that they want? And because they can't get it, they're not going to let you have it. See, love does not envy. No, love's not jealous. Love doesn't tell one-up stories every time someone tells a story. Love Love doesn't allow jealousy to get in the mixture in a relationship to where one person feels like they're the center of the relationship. In fact, the greatest love, Jesus said, is this, that someone would lay down his life 
for someone else. Ladies, wouldn't you love to date a guy who would just open up the door for you, let alone lay his life down for you because he wasn't jealous of you? That would be amazing. That's not all that love is. Love does not boast. It's not proud. Pride is the root of all sin. Pride is seeing only me. Have you ever had someone that has me goggles on? They wear goggles that just see me. Every situation, it's all about me. Every time they look around, it's me. They see you, but they really see me. That's what pride is. Pride sees me. Humility is the opposite of pride. You know what humility sees? Not you. Humility sees God. Humility is, I see God And because of that, I realize that I can't be proud. I've got to be humble. And so because of that, I'm not going to be proud. I'm not going to boast in what I can do. No, I'm going to give my life up for you. That's that's love. True love, as they said on Princess Bride. That's not it, though. He goes on and he says this. Love does not dishonor others. Love actually honors others. Love says, hey, I want to do what would be best for you. I'm not putting you on a pedestal because I'm worshiping you, but I'm honoring you because Jesus laid down his life for me, so I'm gonna honor you. That's how you become the right person, by putting this into practice. We go on. Love does not dishonor others. It does not behave disgracefully, dishonorably, indecently. You can go to the next slide. Thanks, Timothy. Love is not self-seeking. We've talked about that. You can continue. He said this, he said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. A lot of you ladies have dated only childish men. Some of you fellas, you've only dated childish women. And maybe God would allow us to start becoming more than just a child. Does he continue? I think he does. When I became a man, I put on the ways, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I became an adult, when God allowed me to mature, I put the ways of childhood behind me. In this series, we wanna help you. We don't want to help you find the right person because you're never going to find the right person. You might find a person who's phenomenal, who's fantastic, and I hope that one day you find someone that you feel like, man, I robbed the bank to get you. But more than that, we want you to allow God to start shaping you, to allow you to start becoming the person, to start becoming the kind of person who you're looking for would actually look for. And by the grace of God, he would allow us all to get there. Hey, you don't want to miss next week. Next week's going to be amazing. I hope you take this stuff home. I hope you talk about it with your friends. I hope maybe you open up 1 Corinthians 13, put it on your mirror, put it on your your dashboard, and allow it to get inside of you. We're going to take a moment right now. This is really, really cool. But we're going to sing this song. It's a song of submission. It's a song where we say, hey, God, we're going to lift our hands up to you, not as just an act of worship, but we're going to do it to literally say we surrender. A friend of mine was stuck in our church the other day at about midnight, and he didn't realize, but he set the alarm off. And he told me that the only thing he could think about doing when the police were outside was sticking his hands up in the air saying, hey, do not shoot me. I'm yours. Whatever you want to do, I'm yours. Just don't kill me. And that's what we do when we worship Jesus. We say, God, I'm yours. I'm surrendered to you. It's your way or no way. I'm going your way with everything I have. I'm all yours. Would you let me start becoming the person that I'm looking for is actually looking for?
would you help start shaping me into that person? Hey, so when you sing this, I want you to sing it with your hands open or with your hands up and tell God, God, whatever I have is yours. God, I want what you want for me. Let me pray for you real quick. Uh, God, you're so gracious and you're so merciful and you're so good. God, for the person sitting in the room that's thinking right now, it's too late. It's too late for me. I've already screwed it up. I may as well just screw it up even more. God, would you allow that person to stand under a waterfall of grace tonight? Would you allow that person to stand under an avalanche of mercy? Because God, you are a God who is rich in mercy. Every time you go to the bank, you find it mercy for me, for us. God, it's not too late for any of us. It's not too late for any person in this room. But God, would you do us a huge, amazing favor? Would you start shaping our hearts in such a way that God, the person that we're looking for would look at us and say, that's actually what I was looking for. God, I pray that when we find you, God, that we really will find life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to lay down his life for us and show us what love is all about. Help us to start putting that into practice, even in our dating relationships. We love you. God, you're so good.